Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, once again, welcome. Uh, I just want to let you know that this is kind of a bittersweet thing, but uh, not really. But uh, we are at the very last uh, sermon on this sermon series called Reunion and Redemption. And here's the deal. It is where we see reunion and redemption really happen the most. And as you've known, we've been going through the life of Joseph, Joseph and how we've been allowing it to parallel with the life of Jesus a little bit. But uh, I just want to let you know that uh, I have received your guys's uh, when you guys have forwarded me these uh, amazing memes this week. And so I just want to let you know that as I, as I look at this week, I kind of feel like this meme um, happening is um, they've, uh, this meme that's been consistently running across uh, all of my feeds is this picture of Chris Farley at an SNL skit as he comes in, and on the top it says this, it says, uh, when COVID-19 see each other in person is as you watch Chris Farley and you know that he's this like super excited guy and he's like running down all the aisles and hugging and slapping and giving high fives and different things like that. Um, just to let you know, my church, if you come here on Sunday morning and that's going to happen, that will be me. I'm going to be so excited to see all of you high fiving. I'll probably pick you up, give you a big bear hug and, and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, as that meme has come around, I also leaned over to my wife and I, and I thought, you know, there's going to be the exact same people who are the opposite side of people who say, I wish COVID-19 would stay around forever. Or not the, not the virus, but the social uh, distancing would stay around forever. And so I do realize that there are some of you who are, might be a little bit disappointed that you actually have to come to church in your clothes and not PJs anymore. Um, but uh, today is kind of like this idea when you see in the end of a movie when there's slow motion running across a field and you see two people come together because you know it's going to be amazing. You know that when they come back together, uh, reunion happens and it's almost like everything in the rest of life is going to be a-okay and you know they're going to be, they're together at last is kind of what we see here, but it also should be that same way in our hearts as we look at this this morning. Because at this very moment, we've been working through this idea that instead of running away from God, God has been running towards us. And at some point, we will figure out how to turn away from our stuff and go and turn around to him and go, yeah, that's what we want. And so hopefully today that as we look at these stories, that's where we're going to end up today is going, hey, ultimately I want reunion and redemption in my relationship with God. And then it follows into having a relationship with others. And so would you pray with me this morning? God, as we just dive into this would you speak to our hearts? Would you give us a little bit of hope, a little bit of peace, a little bit of encouragement this morning? There are some of us who are weary of being home. There are some of us who are just needing to be with somebody else. Maybe it's not just 
being at home, maybe it's just that we need that interaction with somebody that we've been looking forward to. God, would you allow ways in which this morning we could just uh, hear your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, giving encouragement, giving us words of wisdom. God, but not only for our own hearts, but well, Lord, would we be willing to listen to your Holy Spirit of how to be that encouragement to others? That God, that we would be your hands and feet for those around us. And so God, as we dive into your word today, would we open our hearts to hear you? Would you speak to us? In your name we pray, amen. We've been running off of two definitions as we've started this whole entire process, and the first definition was on reunion, and that definition is this, is that it is the act or process of being brought together again as a unified whole. The whole intent and purpose of reunion is to become a unified whole once again, not two separate parts, but whole, not in the same room together, but going in the same direction, unified in the same purpose. It's not just simply kind of being able to live with one another. It is literally going, I am changing from where I was, the trajectory of where I was going to now have a unified togetherness. And then redemption is, the definition of that is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. All of us need redemption. All of us need saving from those things, from sin, from error, and from evil. We know that, uh, man, we know that all of those are true in our hearts, and as, this, as we've been just unraveling this, I think it's just become more and more true of how much we do need redemption in our lives. And so as we've been running through those, we've been kind of watching the story of Joseph and his brothers unfold from the moment he kind of had this dream to say, hey, you're going to bow to us or you're going to bow to me and his brothers getting mad and selling him into slavery, then going to Potiphar and getting put in, uh, put in jail and then, and then interpreting dreams for some of the people in jail. Then ultimately last week we ended with him interpreting the dream of Pharaoh and now we, are, we find ourselves in the story. We're already done with the seven years of really good years, and now we're on to into year two of these seven bad years. And what happens is, is that the brothers are sitting there and they're saying, hey, wait a second, we are probably going to die if we don't do something different. We don't have enough food to uh, feed all of our livestock. Uh, there is nothing happening. This is a horrible famine, and so we need we need something different. And so Jacob says, hey, you guys, you brothers, you 10, you need to go and uh, go buy grain for, uh, for us so that we can continue to live. Literally, the choice is death or we go to Egypt and we go and we buy grain and we survive another season. And so the brothers, what do they do? They have no clue what's going on in Joseph's life, and so all they're concerned about is saving their own lives, and so they go to Egypt, and they go and they buy grain. And right away, Joseph understands that, um, Joseph understands that it's his brothers, and so he kind of creates a little bit of a plot to go, you guys are spies, and so he ends up throwing them in jail for a couple of days, and 
um, <clears throat> what happens while they're in jail is that the brothers are talking to each other. See, it's our sin. God is punishing us for what we did earlier. They are equating their bad things of what's going on to the sin that they had in their lives, which is a completely another theological conversation to have later on. But the point is, is that right away, they already know the depths of how much they deserve to be in prison anyway. And so sometimes I wonder, do we know the depths of our deservedness not to be loved by God? So we go on and Joseph then goes, hey, load their donkeys full of grain and then put the money that they had uh, to be able to buy this grain back in their bags and send them along the way. And so, of course, they go back to the father. They realize, oh, sorry. Um, so in, within that, they found, Joseph found out that there's still, of course, one more brother. And so uh, he said, you guys will not be able to buy grain from me again unless you bring all 11 brothers along to this because he still is trying to tell them that they're spies, even though he knows everything, right? And so uh, they go back home and once again, Again, guess what? They run out of grain. They need Egypt's help. They either die here or they go to Egypt. And so they convince their father, hey, we need to take youngest, uh, the youngest child. And of course, Jacob is just distraught by all of this stuff. And so what happens is they finally convince Jacob, hey, let us take our youngest brother. And so they do, and they all go back. And as they come back, Joseph sees them once again. And so they buy grain, and Joseph says, hey, they're going to eat lunch with me. And so he goes and eat lunch. they go and eat lunch with Joseph. All the while, they're completely afraid because they know that the money was back in their sacks, and they try to say, hey, we're not spies, we're not this, please don't hurt us, we are your humble servants, and of course, they're bowing to him this whole entire time, which is interesting because of what the dream was all about, and so Joseph, of course, knows all this stuff in his mind. But it gets to the point where Joseph finally shows them who he really is. And that's where we are going to pick up in the eight verses in Genesis 45. We're going to grab there. We're going to read Genesis 45 verses uh, 1 through 8. And this is what it says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room. He said to the, his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. This is, this is the unbelievable part. He wept slow, so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravished the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you, and he is the one 
who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. And of course, it goes on to to uh, then bring dad all the way back over. And so all the whole entire families come and they live in Egypt and, and actually they survive uh, the famine and, um, and the horrible drought that happens. And God was doing that all to show an extravagant saving of his people when the rest of the world was in disarray, when the rest of the world had... Uh, complete drought and famine. So great, that's awesome, great story. But here's what I love about that. Is in simpler words, Joseph pretty much said, what you meant for evil, God desired to turn it to good. But what about the story of uh, Joseph does it just surprise me about how we can see parallels? The first thing is, is this, is that um, we need to realize that, reve- that, sorry, that reunion will always be sweeter than revenge. At every single moment, Joseph could have gone, brothers, you don't understand what I've gone through in the last so many years, right? We've kind of looked at it as almost as this has been a 12-year journey so far for him by the time he gets reunited back with his brothers. Could you think of all the times in which he goes, I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to get what I deserve. He could have sat there and gone, that's right, you bow before me. Remember my dream? Suckers, right? Like he could have said those sort of things, but he didn't because he knows something that's way more important than some of us do, I think. And that is, is that reunion is always sweeter than revenge. Revenge allows redemption for one. Reunion allows redemption for all. At some point, those boys, the brothers, even though they're men now, are coming face to face going, yeah, we have to be honest. We did these horrible things to you. They didn't deserve Joseph's outreaching hand. They didn't deserve Joseph to show favor on them. They didn't deserve any of those things. But Joseph understands something that they don't, that it's more important to have reunion and redemption than it is to be able to have the justice we think we deserve. And then the story goes on a little bit later, and and to go back to the father and to get Jacob to bring his whole entire family over, Joseph does something with uh, kind of Pharaoh's blessing is, is Joseph loads donkeys with all sorts of gifts and goods to show his dad that it's really him and that he should bring the journey, take the journey back to Egypt and come and see. Which is something that I find interesting, especially on Palm Sunday, is that just like Joseph loaded a donkey with all sorts of fine gifts and goods to show for the trip, God loaded a donkey with his son to show us that redemption would become available through the one riding on a donkey. 
Matthew 21, 1 through 5 says this, it says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so they go and do that, and Jesus rides into Jerusalem on this donkey, and people are throwing their coats down, and they're literally just chanting, Hosanna, which literally basically means Salvation is here. Right now, we see salvation happening in front of us. We could have never imagined that that salvation wasn't just for the time people of that time, but it was for all people. We, just like Joseph's brothers, have to realize something this morning. We have to realize what we put Jesus through. And that's really found in Isaiah 53, 3 through 6. And those words say this, and we've been reading this scripture over and over together um, through this whole entire sermon series. And this is what it says. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. Sorry, I lost my place. Actually, no, I didn't. I didn't lose my place. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see, Jesus doesn't do revenge. Later on, we find out and... um, I'm giving it away for Good Friday, but we all know the story, or, um, or we should be reading it, is at the end of Matthew when Jesus is on the cross. What does, he simply, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, which is, a, which is almost essentially like what Joseph was saying. He was saying, hey, don't worry about it, brothers. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He meant that I would be here to save Israel. And like that, Jesus is saying, God, they they don't know what they're doing. They want salvation and they don't understand what true salvation is, is. True salvation is for eternity, not for just this life. They wanted it for this life. They wanted their kingdom to not to be able to be free again to do whatever they wanted. But really, it comes down to Jesus going, no, I want you to have freedom for eternity. 
I want you to have a relationship with God, and so which creates a relationship for eternity so that you know who God is and how to walk with him and, and stop running your own way, but turning and going, we trust your way better, God. In fact, actually, there's three last things that, that parallel Joseph, Joseph's story and Jesus' ultimate story, and those are this. The first one is, is he saves his rebellious brothers from death when they realize who he is. And I'm going to come back to that one later on in the sermon in just a second. The second one is, is he welcomes Gentiles to be a part of his family. Welcomes, Jesus welcomes all people and says, I'm not just here to save only Jerusalem, but I'm here to save all people. His reunion and redemption is offered to everyone, not just um, those who find themselves to think that they're in a special class. But he says all people. And the last one is this. And this one kind of uh, got to me a little bit when I was thinking about Joseph and his brothers, but people must bow their knees before him. And I thought about that in terms of Joseph and his brothers, and, and I thought about not even the fact that it's Joseph and his brothers, but the humble nature in which his brothers come to Egypt, and they know that their desperate need for help. They're willing to set aside their pride and be humble and go, yes, I need salvation. Because remember, once again, it was either death or it was Egypt looking for help from Egypt. And when it comes to eternity and when it comes to our own hearts, we all know the depths of our sin. We all can just take one day of social isolation and just really look into our own hearts and go, wow, I need something to save me. And this thing of people must bow their knees before him. We know that in Revelation it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to be a point in which I want to do it where I want to leave my pride at the door and humbly come to God and say, I need your salvation. See, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the punishment to be paid, is redemption. There's an act, there's a process of saving and being saved. There's a cost to this. At some point in the life of Joseph, there had to be a cost. There's a, there's a cost of relationship with Joseph as he has to leave his family. There's a cost of uh, a rift between the brothers and their father because they absolutely lied. And there's so much more that we can add on to that. But, man, a debt has to be paid, and Jesus Christ pays that for us. So 
So where does that leave us this morning then? Well, I think there's... uh, I think there's this story that we can follow that um, is in the beginning of John chapter 6 where um, Jesus says some pretty outlandish things where he says, I am the bread of life and that um, you must partake in me, right? There's this idea that you must be uh, experience my flesh and, and my blood and people are just like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Jesus is super weird. And so all these people who were following Jesus, there were, there were thousands upon people just started walking away from Jesus. And Jesus, at that point in John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69 says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And what Peter says is absolutely profound. He says, Lord, to whom would we even go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. In a life where we don't know what's going on, you wouldn't believe how many questions I've had of, from the basis of, is this all of the end times in which I say yes? Um, is this really what's going to happen? I mean, like, is, is all of this uh, stuff that's going around us, is this really real? What's going on? How do we face this? Is God just letting us go? And, and to my answer is, no, God's not letting us go. He's already given us hope and a promise and, and all of these things. And yet, we trade one truth for another so easily. Things go on around us and we go, how could a good God allow this to happen? Or, hey, how could this happen? And we all of a sudden kind of don't believe God anymore. We start to walk away when something hard happens. And yet, I'm telling you that there has never been a time, I think, where most people are going, what is happening? What is going on? Can we start to answer that question in people's hearts that, yep, This is the point in which we need to hold on to Jesus that much more. This is when we have to solidify in our minds where what Simon Peter says is, Lord, to whom would we go? go? You have the words that give eternal life. We want to believe and we know you are the one holy God. Isn't that unbelievable to think about? Is to think about in the moment of which Jesus strolled in and that salvation is here. It's still the same truth today as it was years and years ago. That salvation is here now, that redemption is offered to us. And you've heard me say this over and over and over again, that, hey, we can't have the horizontal unless we have the vertical. The same is true here, is is that we can't have reunion and redemption with God or with others unless we've had it with God first. 
But I need you to know something in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, the point is, is we don't live in a perfect world. Each and every one of us sins and is completely sinful towards God. But isn't it awesome that reunion and redemption was first de delivered to us by God, not us doing it. God has done all the work. It says it right there, but God showed his great love for us. That in the moments of confusion, the moments of going, how could, and the reason why we're doing all this is because we're in trouble for our sins, right? Those moments of fear, the moments of unknown, the moments of worry, the moments of trying to go, I'm trying to fix today's, tomorrow's problems with today's strength. Doesn't work. Until we have a right foundation to go, God, you're my hope, you're my peace, you're my redemption. But do we believe? Do we come to a point of going, God, no matter what's going on around me, I believe in your promise. I believe in your faithfulness. And every moment when it comes to that, uh, those times when we just want to go, God, what are you doing? We can sit there and we can go, no, I, I still believe this. So we're going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing the song, I Still Believe by Jeremy Camp. But before we do that, this is what I want to say to you is this, is that you'll never have reunion or redemption until you first experience eternal life. There is hope in this story that Jesus is our salvation now and forevermore. That no matter what's going on in the world around us, that everything could be crumbling around us and we could be left in social isolation from now on until the rest of life. It's, it's not going to happen. Just to let you know, I want to give you hope. But even if it did, it's a small, tiny speck in terms of eternal life. That eternal life, there is no eternal isolation. But the eternal isolation is if we're separated from God from eternity, if we don't allow His Son, if we don't allow His Son's forgiveness to wash over us, if we don't accept it, the free gift. Where else would we turn, God? You have the words that give eternal life. And so you see, all of us have sinned. And if unforgiven, that sin separates us from God for eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his son so that everyone and anyone who believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. 
Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us, modeled a perfect life for us, died because of us, and he rose victorious so that any one of us by faith in him could be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, not tomorrow, today. Our lives given power to live our lives, to honor him every single day. And one day we will spend eternity with him. That's the good news of the gospel. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you can do that today. You can say a simple prayer, God, I am so sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? Would you allow your son's blood to wash over me because I believe that he is my salvation. It's a simple prayer. You can do that while we're singing this song. You can even use this song as a way of saying, no, I believe what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. But here's the deal is that this prayer doesn't save you, Jesus saves you. Your prayer is just an expression of your faith in Jesus. And so let's sing this song together and let's belt it out. And I'm going to come and I'll uh, close us. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.